Today we're heading to New Jersey to hear from Marsha Kravis. Marsha's journey from harpsichordist to piano teacher is a fascinating one with lots of lessons about enjoying the longer route on the way. Hello, Marsha. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Nicola. So we'd like to start with a game here. I want you to tell me two lies and one true thing about yourself, and I'll try to guess which one is which. Okay. My husband and I have two pet pigs. When I was 12, I was a champion paddle boarder in a local competition. And also when I was 12, I was kissed by Picasso. Oh my gosh, what a collection. I'm going to guess that the pigs are true. I don't know why. That's what I'm going for. Actually, it was the Picasso bit. It was the Picasso? Oh my gosh, I'm not <laughs> sure you'd made that up. Tell us more. When I was 12, my <clears throat> and my siblings and I spent a year in Paris. My father had a research grant. And in the summer, we rented a house in the south of France. And one day, my mother said to me and my siblings, okay, I'm going to go to a gallery. Who wants to go to a gallery and who wants to go to the American Library? And everybody else chose the American Library. And I went to this gallery with her, and it was a tiny one, not terribly interesting. And there was a spiral staircase that led to the second floor. And we'd been to the second floor, and we were about to leave. We were coming down the staircase and my mother just froze. And I asked, I whispered, what's the matter, mom? And she said, there's a very famous artist here. And it was Picasso. And she was determined to get his autograph. And she eventually did. And I got a kiss right here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Incredible. So we're literally speaking with some remnants of Picasso still in the air. <laughs> Okay, so Marcia, can you tell us a bit more about your musical upbringing? Did you start lessons at a young age? What were they like? That kind of thing. I started lessons when I was almost eight years old, so not terribly young. And I had gone to a summer camp in which they did a very, very abridged version of a Gilbert Sullivan show every year. And that first year that I went to the camp, it was HMS Pinafore. And I loved the sound of the music. There was a very old battered piano in the living room, and that was what was used for rehearsals. And I used to go and bang out the tunes on that, you know, we sailed the ocean blue. And then at the end of the summer, when my parents came to get me, the camp director said, this child needs piano lessons. She could only play one song. So <laughs> I started and our, my aunt gave us a piano and I got Wow. So it was all inspired by Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So what were those early lessons like? Did you like your teacher? What, were, what did the lessons look like? I liked my teacher. She was a sort of, she was a pretty exuberant sort of person and very encouraging. She wasn't big on discipline, like things like learning to count and anything about technique. And I wish very much that that had been part of my early musical education. I feel like in a way I've been paying for that ever since. Mm. But um, she was very, very encouraging. And if I wanted to play something, she'd find me the music and, and you know, some version of it that I was 
capable of handling at the age. So I, I, I like lessons very much. Mm, that's fantastic. Did you practice consistently? You obviously had been so motivated in the beginning. Did that continue? Yeah, yeah, it did. I, I just loved learning to play pieces that had been in my in my ear, and then exploring new repertory. It was just, and also it was, it was some private creative time. I grew up in a family of I had three siblings, and you know it was a typical family life. It was a little bit chaotic and. I sit down at the piano and kind of everything would disappear. So that was very satisfying. Yeah, in your own little bubble. Yeah. And did you stay with that teacher all the way through or did you have other teachers along the way? I studied when I was in, I guess I was around 16. And my parents sent me to a, uh, a more rigorous teacher. And I studied with him for around, I guess, just two years. And I think I would have benefited from getting to him earlier. So you mentioned the technique and maybe the strictness with rhythm that maybe was lacking with the previous teachers. Is there anything else you wish had been included in your lessons? Like, did you improvise? Did you get no. to play together? Anything like that? No, we didn't. We didn't improvise. And I don't remember doing duets with her. And that's such a crucial part of my uh, time with kids now. Mm. Uh, but no, none, neither of those. Well, it sounds like you've turned many corners in your own teaching. Yeah. No. When and how did that start? When did you get into teaching yourself? I, I went to conservatory to uh, study harpsichord. And when I graduated, um, I got a master's in harpsichord performance. And it was clear pretty soon that I wasn't going to earn my income solely from performing. <laughs> so I started teaching. I became the music teacher in a private school in Philadelphia. I was the music department for around 10 years, and then the school expanded, and I had some colleagues in the music department. There was a music department. So I did that for 23 years, and then I started teaching privately after that. Fantastic. Can you tell me about a, a student that changed something, anything about how you teach or perhaps about how you do? Yeah, I think around five months ago, I started teaching uh, a boy whose parents said he, he's been picking out tunes for years, you know, just things that he'll hear on TV or on, on a CD. That's a large part of his musical experience. He, so learning by rote is a big part of my lessons with him. And he, you know, he thrives on that. He loves being able to translate sounds he hears into action at the keyboard. So it's made me much more attuned to rote learning as a way of teaching. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And sometimes he'll teach me tunes that he's worked out. Oh, that's super fun that you have that interaction back and forth. Did yeah. you teach by rote before, before him at all or just less so? I had, I had just started because thanks to your uh, show, I discovered Piano Safari. And as you know, their rote learning is, is a crucial part of their method. So I had started using that with a couple of seven-year-olds that I started remotely last year. Oh, great. But this student obviously takes it to a whole new level, which yes. is. So that sounds like a great success story. 
Can you think of a time when you made a mistake, something you regret, maybe something more general that you used to do um, across many lessons or some specific incident that stands out in your mind? I can think of many examples of all of those, Nicola. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pick out one. I recently had a recital with the kids that I teach. There's a 12-year-old girl who's been taking lessons from me for around four years. And at this point, she often finds pieces of music that she wants to work on. And she decided that she wanted to work on a piece from Hamilton. It was much more sophisticated, especially rhythmically, than anything she'd ever worked on before. And she's very persistent. She, for the first, I don't know, maybe five lessons on on this piece, we were really trying to get the rhythm down. The recital was coming up and she hadn't really gotten it down. She could muddle her way through it. I suggested to her that she play part of the piece for the recital, not the whole thing. And her mother interceded um, via email and said, you know, when I, this is the mother speaking for herself. When I was, when I was a girl, I used to love just being able to get through a piece that I've been working on for a long time. Abby said that you were contemplating having her only do part of the piece and, you know, I think she needs to finish it. So I, you know, I just thought about that for a minute and I remembered, you know, when I was, when I was little and I was taking lessons, yeah, I really love to be able to play pieces for people, even when they weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. So I thanked the mom for her intercession and I told Abby she was going to play the whole thing. And, you know, it, it wasn't perfect, but it made me realize that, you know, perfection is not always the most important thing that just somehow completing something and honoring the way it's been completed is the best approach. Yeah, and I love that emphasis on the fact that the mum and then Abby wanted to just share the music with other people. Yeah. yeah. And the other people, most of the time, I try to impress as fun students and it's so hard to do. They don't yeah. care if you play a wrong note. They're there because they want to enjoy your playing. They really don't care how perfect it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And I was getting hung up in how her playing yes. was going to represent me as a teacher. And then I thought, you know, you have to let go of them. Yeah, and have the confidence in your own teaching to know that this one yeah. performance, this one time is not about that. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you could turn back time and talk to yourself as a first year teacher, if you could think back, is there any advice that you would like to tell yourself that you wish you'd known anything at the start of your teaching? Yeah, I'll talk about the start of my private piano teaching. Well, two things. One, that I had been less insistent about technique at, you know, many, many points in the lesson. That also I'd been aware of many more resources for teachers in terms of method books, because some of the kids that I taught just, they didn't like the method books I was using. And I didn't, I just wasn't aware of alternatives. So those are the two wishes. Yeah. When was it that you started teaching privately? Do you remember what year that was? I was just curious. It was around seven years ago. Okay. So the internet was out there. I often think back to the start of my own teaching. I knew no books, no resources out there at all, but there wasn't any way to find them, really. There was nothing. Whereas now we can just look things up, read the blogs, you know, watch the YouTube videos or whatever it may be. Yeah, I had my head in the sand a bit. Mm. (laughs) Easy to do. You're just getting started with a new thing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. 
So is there anything you think people outside our industry misunderstand about what we do as teachers? I think that it's very easy to trivialize what we do as teachers because it seems like, you know, the kids are learning to do something kind of fun and entertaining. And I think that what people perhaps often fail to grasp is that it can be life-changing for a student because they're learning, they're not just learning notes, they're learning to solve problems, they're learning to think, they're learning to create. It's when they finish a piece, it's a real boost in self-confidence. So I think that it does a lot for for students emotionally. Yeah. Just because something is fun or it's play doesn't mean it's not important, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So finally, I want you to imagine a teacher who's out there and somehow they've stumbled across this episode of the podcast, but maybe they're not involved in a lot of teacher groups or they're just in their own little bubble in not (laughs) such a positive way as you were when you were practicing and they're feeling uncertain, like they don't know if they're doing it right. Is there any message you'd like to send out to them? Yeah. You can always grow as a teacher and you can grow by putting yourself in touch with other teachers. You can grow by watching your show. (laughs) I mean, they're just, we're always evolving as people and as teachers and no use slapping yourself on the wrist because you think you might be doing it wrong. You know, if you think there's something in your teaching that's lacking, then time to go explore and find out what other people are doing. Time to go explore. So with that, we'll let all our listeners go explore. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Marcia. This was great. It was a pleasure, Nicola. Thank you for the interview. Thanks for listening. Do you love this show? Then please share your favorite episode with a teacher friend who you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. If you resonated with today's story, then the Vibrant Music Teaching membership is probably a good fit for you too. Find out more at vibrantmusicteaching.com.